Let's bow our heads in prayer together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is truth and your word speaks to us and we can trust in your word, that there is power in your word, there's salvation in your word. And so as we come to it this morning, we come with confidence that you are going to speak to us. You, you want to speak to us. And we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the words of your living scripture, that you might speak to us a fresh word, Lord. We know that you can take that same word and apply it to every single heart, every single situation, so that it might bring life and renewal. And we pray even this morning, salvation in your name. And so we listen expectantly, Father, that you will speak. Teach us your ways, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, welcome uh, this morning. Great to have you with us. Uh, we are in a series in Proverbs where we are thinking about making space for wisdom in our lives. Now, I take it for granted that nobody here wants to be a fool. Um, but I also take for granted, if I, my own life is an example, that there are many times where we do foolish things, where we do things that don't make sense. And uh, as we go on this journey in Proverbs, thinking about what does it mean to be wise, we, we start to discover that, that wisdom is not merely things that we know, they are things that we live out. They are truths, realities, ways of seeing the world as they truly are, ways of seeing the world in the way in which God has made it to be. And so God wants us to um, be wise people. And we, we've looked at to, so four introductory elements to um, wisdom itself through the first three chapters of Proverbs. The first thing is the beginning of wisdom. And in chapter one, um, it starts off by saying, look, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That, what does that mean? That doesn't mean being scared of him. It means coming to know him. It's, it's coming under his care. It's recognizing, yes, he is the true and the living God. And all things that were made have been made by him. And he wants us to know him. It, it means coming to trust him and saying, look, there are many voices in this world. But I know it starts with me recognizing, believing that God is the one in whom I should listen to, the one in whom I should obey. The second part is that we looked at wisdom's call. And in this passage, in the second uh, part of uh, chapter one, uh, wisdom is seen as a street preacher. This woman preacher is there preaching out to the streets and all the public places to everybody who will listen. Come and hear wisdom. Come to wisdom. Believe in wisdom. And it's a call to come to Christ. It's a call for all those who are living in, in, in the world to come and recognize that, that, that God is the only one and true wise person. And there's a desire for every single person to come under the wisdom of God. All who will listen will come and, and trust in God. And so it's a pleading, it's a calling to, to be wise through faith in Christ. We then also looked at wisdom's value, that wisdom is like a treasure. 
and that it's, it's something to be desired. It's more precious than gold, we heard. It's more precious than silver or, or jewels. No, uh, this treasure should be something that's in, in the center of our lives. The, the thing that we desire, the thing that we go after. Of course, again, we know that wisdom is a person. So here, it's like this idea of Christ for us being this wisdom of God that we desire um, more than any other thing in our lives. And what we discovered is that what we treasure leads to how we behave. If we want to be wise, then we must treasure Christ. If we want to be wise, then we must put him in the first place in our lives, and we must seek him and desire him with all our heart or our mind. Whatever we treasure, there so our heart is, we're told in Matthew. And then finally, we looked at wisdom's benefit. That there is a benefit from being wise. And this benefit is the, the difference between uh, blessings or curses. Now, this is kind of Old Testament covenantal language, but this is what it says in Deuteronomy 11, uh, 26 to 29. Uh, and Moses speaking to the people from God, today I'm giving you a choice. So each one of us has a choice. You may choose the blessing or the curse. You will get the blessing if you listen and obey to the commands of the Lord your God that have told you today. But you will get the curse if you refuse to listen and obey the commands of the Lord your God. So do not stop living the way I commanded you today. Do not follow other gods that you do not know. Wisdom leads to blessing. Blessing in all circumstances. We're not promising perfect circumstances, but we're promising blessing in every circumstance. That there's a reality to knowing God and trusting God that leads to an inner peace and to, to, to joy, to, to, to celebration, uh, as well as our external life that God chooses to, to, to bless. We can't help but see that God did bless people like Abraham um, with wealth. Why? Because he sought to use his wealth for, for his good for the good of the Lord, and for the good of other people. But foolishness leads to curse. It leads to death. Now, it might not be like the physical death in that moment, but it leads to death in our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with other people, our relationship, most importantly, with God. And in these next two weeks, we're just going to transition into thinking about how do we grow in wisdom. We're going to be looking today at the place of God's word, and then next week, the place of prayer as it leads us to grow in this transformative living relationship as Christ's disciples. And then following these two weeks, we will then start to look at how some of these aspects um, affect, so how, how, some of the, how wisdom affects some of the aspects of our daily lives in our relationships with family, friends, with our, with our money, uh, some practical issues. So today we're going to be focusing on uh, making space for God's word in our, in our life. When we think about developing a transformative relationship with the one and the only God, we must start with knowing him. Because all that's what God has called us to do. He, he wants to know you and he wants you to, to know him. The reformer Martin Luther spoke like this um, about the... Um, the, the importance of the Bible. He says this, one thing and one thing is necessary for the Christian life, righteousness and liberty. That one thing is the most holy word of God. 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us then consider it certain and conclusively established that our soul cannot do without, can do without all things except the word of God. And that where it is not, there is no help for the soul in any else, anything else whatsoever. Whatever. But if, but if it is, sorry, but if it has the word, it is rich and lacks nothing, since the word is the word of life, of truth, of peace, of righteousness, of salvation, of joy, of liberty, of wisdom, of power, of grace, of glory, and every good blessing beyond our power to estimate. This is why the prophet in the entire psalm, Psalm 19, 119, and in many other places of scripture, with so many sighs, yearns after the word of God. I'm sure this is a very familiar analogy, uh, but I don't know if you've ever accidentally put the wrong fuel in the car. Um, I, I, I don't think I've done it many times, maybe once, uh, maybe twice, I can't remember, but uh, fortunately I had a diesel car, and I'm told that putting petrol in a diesel car is better than putting diesel in a petrol car. Um, and uh, I put uh, the wrong fuel in. And for a while I started to go and made it um, a little distance, I think, because there was just mixing with the mixing with the, with the diesel, and then I just spluttered and came to a halt. And the same thing is with our walk with Jesus, our, our, our walk in following him. We cannot um, make it any distance in our lives unless we've got the right fuel in, in our car, unless we've got the right fuel in our engine. It's the word of God, the true, the living, powerful word of God that leads us to be able to follow him in all wisdom. This is what Solomon says in verses um, 1 to 4 of chapter, chapter 4. And he, he's speaking here to his son. And he says to his son, Hear, O son, a father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight. For I, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son, my father, tender, the only one in the sight of, of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words and keep my commandments and live. So here Solomon is saying, look, so my father taught me, I'm teaching you, son, keep the commandments, keep the precepts, keep the teaching, keep the law ever before you. Because why? Because it will lead to life. And Moses, as he speaks to the covenant people, as we've read, says something similar to this. Uh, where he said, look, if you want to live, then we need to live according to God's word. He says this in chapter 4, verses 10 to, uh, 1, 1 to 10. He says, now, O Israel, hear, uh, listen to the statutes and the rules I am teaching you, and do them that you may live. And then on to chapter 6, uh, verse 6, he says, keep them and do them. For that will be wisdom and understanding in the sight of the people. When they hear all these statutes, they will say, Surely this great nation is wise, and the people and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has um, a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us, whenever we call upon him? And then in, chapter, in verse 9 he says, only take care and keep your soul diligent, lest you forget that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. 
Make them known to your own children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord, your God at Herob, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that they may, that they may, that I may let them hear my words so they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. Moses speaks to God's covenant people and says, listen, if you want to live, you've got to keep the word of God. You've got to know the word of God. You've got to listen to the word of God. You've got to put it front and center in your life. There is no wisdom without being in relationship with God through his word. His word is alive. We're told his, his word is active, sharper than a double-edged sword, speaking uh, and, and cutting to the bone and to the marrow, getting right to the, the, the heart of the issues of our life. Without the word of God, how can we know what it means to be wise? How do we know what it means to, to, to follow the God that we love? Because it's in the word of God we know who is the God that we love, and we know what he loves, and we know what it means for us to be his people in the world. Notice in this chapter, he says, um, in, in that Deuteronomy passage, he says, when you live wisely, other people will look at you and say, how great that nation is. They must have the one true living God because the life they live makes sense and leads to life and blessing. In the same way, the church today, the people of God right across the world is to live in such a way according to God's purposes, according to his plan, according to his Lord, according to his statutes, in such a way that when people look in, they say, that makes sense. That makes utter sense. And look at the blessing on their lives. Look at the peace in their lives where there is no peace in the world. Look at the joy in their lives where there is no joy in the world. Look at the way they're able to stand up under the pressure uh, of suffering and difficulty. Look how they deal with one another in their forgiveness. Look at their generosity. Look how they take all the goods that they, they've got, all the things that God has blessed them with, and they share them abroad and say, not mine but yours, Lord. Tell me how to steward these things well. When God starts to work in our life, it leads to life for us, but also life for other people. So we are to marinate our lives with the word of God. Pickle yourself in the word of God. Get yourself in a jar, pour the word of God in it, put the lid on and just stay there for a while, marinating in God's word. It will do its work. You don't need to do the work for yourself. It will do its work for you. Psalm 19 7 to 10 is, is beautiful in describing the, the way in which the word can really affect us and the nature of the word, but then how it affects us. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. This wisdom is perfect. This truth is perfect. And what does it do? It revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. That means it can be trusted, it's steadfast, it's not going to give way under pressure, making, uh, uh, making wise the simple. We don't need to understand everything. We can be simple people, trusting in the Lord, and his testimony will be sure in our lives. The precepts of the, of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Our heart can rejoice. This is true. This is right. I'm living my life according to what's good and right. The commandments of the Lord are pure, 
They're not tainted. They're not advice that somebody's giving you so that you might go away and do what they want and benefits them. It's not even tainted in the sense that we, we, we think we're giving good advice, but we can only see a, sort of, a, a, sort of a, a low level. No, God's words are pure and right because he sees things as they truly are and he's always seeking for his glory and our good. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. So we should be those who seek after God's word. Let me just give us three steps to to do that. First of all, let us love the word. We can't help but read through Psalms and realize that the psalmists are uh, in love with the word. They delight in the word. It says this, the wise man, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Psalm 1 uh, verse 2. And on his law he meditates day and night. I will delight in your statutes. Psalm 119.16. I will not for- forget your word, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Psalm 119 verse 47. The first thing that we are to do in God's word is to get in our mind that this word is a treasure, it's precious, and to love it. To say this is beautiful. Why do we love it? Because it's a lamp unto our feet, we're told. We we love it because it's an anchor to our soul. We love it because it's trustworthy. It's useful for training us and equipping us in righteousness and right living. We're told in Proverbs that it's a shield in times of difficulty. This word is good and true. You must love it. Why? Because it's the very words of God. When you open scripture, it's like God is speaking to you in that moment, in that time, through those pages. It's his very word, his very essence is in scripture. It's himself, as it were, that we're loving and when we love his word. Because it's his voice that's speaking. So we delight to treasure it. But then, in terms of uh, continuing to, to, to love the word, we're also told that we are to feast on God's word. So it's kind of like a delight in it, but then another picture is like feasting on it, like it's, 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 it's a delight to your eyes, that you, you, you want to, 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 to eat it. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119, verses, uh, verse 103. More to be desired than, than gold, even more fine gold, sweeter than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Psalm 19, we've just read that. And then we're told in Matthew 4, um, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the very word that comes from the mouth of God. So we are to delight in it. We're to feast on God's word. We're to see that it's good for us. Just like, as it were, the first sin that took place, was that Eve saw that the fruit, the knowledge of good and evil, was appetizing and she took and ate of it. That means she was seeking, she saw that knowledge outside of God or grabbing knowledge herself was delightful. We're to do the opposite. 
We're to see God's word as a fruit and say, I want to feast on it. I want to delight in it. I want to, to, to say this word is so precious to me. So I suppose one of the questions might be, is God's word a delight to you? Is it a delicious food for your soul? Do you wake up every morning feeling hungry and saying, I've got to eat God's word this morning. Even before I get breakfast, I've got to, to feast on his pure delights. Do we seek him, him? Well, maybe some of the reasons why that isn't true for us every single day is that there are other things that we think are more important, more uh, knowledge that we desire more than, than him. Maybe we just get distracted in, in different ways when we come at, um, get up in the morning and we think, you know what, how am I going to live my, my life today? And we just think, well, I've got so many things to do today. And you think, well, I've got to crack on with them. Um, maybe there's just a need to cry out to God and just say, Lord, would you make your word a delight for me? Would you, Holy Spirit, do something in me that sees your, your word as awesome and lovely. Okay, the second thing that we need to do then is to learn the word. So, uh, Proverbs 3, 1 to 4 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, lest your heart keep my commands. For length of days and years of life and peace will be added to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favour and good success in the sight of God and man. Verse 1 tells us, do not forget my teachings. How do we love the word? Well, we remind ourselves of what is true. The glory of God, the splendour of God, uh, uh, of his personhood as revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Paul says something similar to the church in, in, uh, in, 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 in Corinth when he says to them, I, rem- I want to remind you of what I preached you about Christ. Remember Christ. Keep on going back to remember Christ. And then verses 3 in here tells us, uh, gives us two examples. It says, let, us, uh, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. What it's really saying is this. By any means possible, keep on reminding yourself of that which you already know and that which is true. Don't stray from them. Keep them ever before you. Do things that keep on reminding you that they are true. And then verses 2 and 4 tells us that if we dwell in God's word, it reminds us again that there will be life and blessing will come to to us. Verse 2, let your life be full of peace and long life. Verse 4, favour and success you will have in the sight of God and man. So, How do we learn the word? Well, here's just some practical things for you to think about. Um, First of all, we read the word. Maybe um, we can um, bring into our lives patterns where we're in the word daily. Maybe daily uh, daily reading plans, trying to read the Bible through in a year. Maybe that could be um, Bible notes. Maybe it could be topical notes. Uh, Maybe it could be just looking at a book at a time. Read the word. When you read it, it speaks to you. Yes, slow down, don't rush, don't try and just get it all done. I've done my bit for the day. You might want to do it in big chunks, you might want to do it in small chunks. It doesn't really matter. Just be in the word, read it. Because as you read it, your, your mind is soaked with it. Secondly, ruminate on the word, which 
is another word for meaning meditate on the word. In Psalm 119, 29 times, it talks about this rumination. And the picture that's often used for this is like a, a cow. It has many stomachs. It takes the grass and it goes in the first stomach. It chews it, goes in there. The first stomach takes some of the nutrients up. Then he coughs it back up. It's not very polite. But he coughs it back up and he chews it again. He pops it into another stomach, which takes out some other um, nutrients. Coughs it back up, chews it some more, puts it in another stomach. Yeah? Why? Because he's sucking out the nutrients. He, he's ruminating on it. He's chewing it. So we too are to ruminate, to chew, to meditate on God's word. Colossians 3.16 tells us, let the word of God dwell in you richly. That's what I think it means. Marinate yourself. Chew. Suck it out. Dwell on the word. Maybe, um, yeah, maybe there, there's a passage that God wants you to have a passage for this next month that you just need to keep on chewing over and over and over again. We need to rehearse God's word. Deuteronomy tells us that we should talk about these things with our children, to teach our children diligently. And it says, you should talk with them when you sit in the house and when you walk by the side and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you should bind them as a sign to your hand and you should set them as frontless between, front, frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorsteps of your house on your gates. This idea of saying, keep on talking about the word. Keep on talking about God. Keep on sharing with one another. And don't just do it in sort of set times, you know, where you say, well, this is the Bible study this week. We will talk about God this week. But the rest of the time, I don't talk about God. I don't know how to talk about God. No, he just says, with your children, when you're walking, when you're sitting, when, when you're just hanging out, talk about what God is doing in your life. Talk about God's word and how it's spoken to you. Just forever be rehearsing the truth of the gospel in your life, saying this is how great God is. His word is true, and this is how it's affecting my life. And then finally, we should retain the word, which means memorizing. But if you're like me, your memory is a sieve, and you won't, you know, it takes time sometimes to memorize God's word. Others can memorize it first time they read it, um, and... Uh, Blessing to you, and uh, yeah, I am jealous, I'll be honest. Um, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. We focus on a passage. I remember Joe uh, memorizing the whole of Philippians, um, and uh, I, could, I could barely remember some, you know, a few of the verses. Um, that, well, I suppose I remembered the verses that I repeat over and over and over and again over, over many years. Um, but, uh, but that's why we have it there, so we can bring it to our memory, isn't it? It's important that we have it dwelling in our hearts. I don't think it's about... It would be lovely if we could all repeat it off-road, but if we can't, there's still a place for that memorization of these passages that really help us in our lives. Told, just to repeat again, Matthew 4, verse 4, man cannot live by bread alone, but the very word of God. What is your pattern of reading the word? How do you let it speak to you daily? How do you come under its authority? But finally, it isn't just about loving the word. It's not just about learning the word. But it's about living the word because this is where wisdom is wisdom when it takes root in, in our lives. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Jesus commands our direct 
uh, Jesus commands to us, direct our steps, not just merely fill our heads. Wisdom is not merely knowledge, but it's about living out in a way that's good and right and fair, not just to yourself, but to all people. Trusting in him, we are told to do. Relying on his understanding of the way the world in. Acknowledging him in the things that we do. So that people can see, and we can see, that we trust in him. James warns us about just being people who hear the word. He says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let's be honest. There are many times we deceive ourselves, don't we? Oh yeah, I'm following Jesus. I, I, you know, I love his commands. But when we get into a tough situation, um, we lean on our own understanding. We, we seek the quickest fix to the scenario. But God would say, trust in me. Jesus' commands are not easy to follow, are they? There are some that are good in, in terms of just maybe easier to follow. But when Jesus says, I want you to have a heart of forgiveness. Oh, don't forgive your enemy once. No, forgive him 70 times 7. That's the type of forgiveness you are to have for people. Be generous with your money. Your money isn't yours. You think you earned it? No, you didn't. I gave you the job. That money belongs to me. You're just merely a steward. Give that money away. Not so easy to do, is it? When we hold on to it and we put our hope and we put our trust Look after the poor and the widows. How many of us would have the poor and the widow come and live with us? How many of us would show generous hospitality to those who are in difficulty at our own personal expense? Oh, we might go a little far. We might even give to a charity that does that. But how many of us would pay the cost? Keep your mind clean. Set it on things above, not things on the earth. How many of us find that our minds wander into things that are not clean, that are not pure, that are not right? Living the word out is not easy, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. You can't do it without the power of the Spirit. Don't look to yourself and say, I can do this. No, you can't do it in your flesh, but you can do it through the power of the Spirit. As we love the word, we live the word, and we let the Holy Spirit empower us to... Uh, so we love the word, learn the word, we get the Holy, help the Holy Spirit. We get the help of the Holy Spirit to live the word, then we can follow Him. Our time is up. Following Jesus' words, it, it's a spiritual battle. Yeah, you are in a spiritual battle. The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit desires us to trust alone in God with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, and with our strength. The enemy wants to trick you into saying, there are other ways of living this way, this, way, this life, that will lead to blessing, but he's a liar and he, he's a deceiver. And we see this with, with, with just the beginning with Eve, how death came through that one act of choosing to believe in the lie that there was knowledge outside of God, that God was keeping something back, that he wasn't being good, that he wasn't being fair, he wasn't being right. Some of God's words can, be, can feel restrictive, but they're not. They're life-giving. Why? Because he knows how life is to be lived, and he wants to protect you, he wants to keep you from harm. That is what a good father does. So, as we think about wisdom, let us grow in wisdom by putting right front and centre in our lives 
the word of God. Let's love the word, learn the word, live the word. Let us be like the man who builds his house upon the rock. No matter what comes, he's got a sure and steadfast foundation in trust in Christ. So here are some questions for us to discuss in our groups. At this moment, is God's word a delight to you or not? Not this very moment, as in this, hopefully I've spoken, you're like, yeah, I love it. No, but you know, in your life at this moment, is it a delight? Would you describe it? Yeah, that's my relationship with God's word. Why or why not might that be the case? What's, what's going on there for you? Okay, how are we to think about learning? As we think about learning the word, which of the four areas, reading, ruminating, rehearsing, retaining, do you think like God is being convicting you to maybe work on? and to sort of maybe add in, or to keep pursuing, or to do something new, or, or, or keep doing something. Um, you know, how would you like that to work? Be, be specific. Let's not just say, yes, I think I want to memorize scripture. Like, how, how are you going to, to do that? And then I think, just thinking about this idea of being a spiritual battle, are there areas in your life that you just value prayer in just obeying God's word, having victory in, in that?